0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hello! Welcome to the animal party. Have you got your party shoes on? Have you got your party animal with you? Are you ready to party on with us today? Because we've got a great guest coming, Melanie Coronets, and she's going to tell you about Skipper Keys. not just about Skipper Keys, because what kind of a party would it be if we only talked about one dog? No, 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 no. She's going to tell you about her life change and what happened when she discovered Skipper Keys and how that worked out for her. And we're also going to talk about New York City a lot, because we're going to be talking about her book, In the Shadow of Mercury. And it's really... Almost like Sex in the City, New York is a character in the book. It's through it everywhere. It's so part of the story. So it's really interesting for anyone who's ever been to New York or wanted to go to New York or thought about going to New York or wondered what it would be like in such a busy place. This book is really eye-opening. It also covers some topics that are hard for most of us, and uh, including pet grief. And um, some incidents that you just won't believe. So you have to hang on. So we're going to be having Melanie Cornett join us at this animal party today. But before we do, I wanted to tell you that there's been a good news story. James Deloney, a 7-year-old autistic boy who has no language at all, he can't speak at all, went missing in the snow a few days ago in Nova Scotia where it was below zero even during the daytime. And he went missing in the evening and he was gone for 48 hours all alone in the snow and people were looking and searchers were out and they couldn't find this kid and in the end what they thought was they thought the kid ran off looking for his dog that's what they thought but what really happened I think is something completely different because in the end when they were all searching and searching and searching and they couldn't get anywhere and they were starting to really worry about the time and hypothermia and the kid went out with no coat the dog came home and they retraced the tracks back and found the kid So people were saying, oh, he probably followed the dog, the dog ran off, and now the kid's lost. I don't think so. I think the kid ran off, and the dog stayed with him. Stayed with him, stayed with him, stayed with him, kept him warm, kept him alive. Until the dog had to make a critical decision. And when he heard the searcher so close, he bolted probably thinking what do i do do i leave the kid do i get that help do i leave the kid do i get help it must have been an agonizing 48 hours for that dog but he totally did the right thing and i just want to say i hope james gets better i hope things go well for the family and i hope that dog is enjoying a nice big fat steak good dog dog's name didn't even make the news coverage so talk about the credits gone wrong on that one I heard the names of rescuers and searchers and all these people who didn't really find the kid and uh, no mention of the dog so you know all the volunteer searches and all the kings all the policemen couldn't find that kid it took the took the family dog to bring the kid back home again so good on him all right so now we're going to go to our show But before we do, we've got to listen to the messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be back talking to Melanie Coronet about skipper keys and much more. So stay tuned to the party. Party on, you guys. We'll be back in a second.
2: Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around.
0: This valuable information comes from your pet. There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsaddlife.org. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Mutt-tropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and
2: reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand, only on
0: PetLifeRadio.com.
2: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're you're, you're inside the VIP room with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go.
1: Hello. Welcome back to the animal party. I hope you have your party clothes on because we're here to party with Melanie Cornett. Welcome to the show, Melanie.
0: Hi. Thank you. I'm right here. Ready to go.
1: Oh, it's good to have you. Well, I hear you're live from New York, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Not many people can say that. So, what's it like living in New York with dogs? I know most people think that would be terrible, that a dog shouldn't be in New York or be in an apartment or be in a crowded city, but it's not like that at all, is it?
0: No, it isn't. Actually, it's like one big dog party. Um, It's amazing, because I have a country house also, and the dogs out there never get to play with other dogs. But here in the city, dogs are on the streets, you know, on the on leash, of course, and, you know, they sniff each other, they, you know, play with each other. In Central Park, near where I live, they're allowed off the leash in the morning, and you've got, like, you know, 20, 30 dogs running and romping. I mean, it's really fantastic, and they all get along. They have, you know, their favorites that they play with. And then, of course, now that the weather's getting cold, it's also a fashion show because a lot of the small... Oh, no, the outfits. <laughs> oh, they, no. they wear amazing, you know, amazing little outfits. Their mommies dress them up.
1: <laughs> but you <laughs> little- Skipper Keys. I mean, they've got huge, beautiful fur. You don't dress them up, do you?
0: No, actually, one I don't, but the other one, I think, you know, I adopted him and I think he came from a puppy mill because he's very skinny and he doesn't have an uh-huh. undercoat. So I bought him a down coat with a leopard print. So when he goes out, he looks like this puffy leopard. <laughs> you think he's schooling
1: them? You think they think he's a feline? I don't think so. I don't he's know. He's not fooling no. anybody. Uh, so skipper keys. A lot of people have never seen a skipper key. When I think of them visually... And it's not their descendants or anything, but visually they look like the black wolf from Little Red Riding Hood from the old fashioned story if you shrunk it down and made it the size of a between a toy and a mini poodle. Little tiny dog, but it looks like a black wolf. The only big difference is it kind of has a a generous rear end, I would say. <laughs> so, is that how a skipper key looks? Is that how it's yeah, you No, know, no, they don't they don't have at least in in the
0: US um we can still their tails so you have this amazing looking dog with this incredible silhouette without a tail and they actually look like they slope back from the head down to the rear end. Now, in Europe, they've caved to the animal rights people, and, well, I don't know how you feel about tail docking, but anyway, let me just ramble on a second here. So skipper keys were never bred for tail sets, so you have some skipper keys whose tails curl over their backs like shiba inus, and then you have others. Those are
1: the ones I see here.
0: Yeah, because here others... it's very
1: uncommon to dock a skipper key, and so they they sort of almost like a husky. It's a spindly little tail. It's not a big, heavy tail like a husky, but it does bend right back over the back, just like you what you just said.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and others though hang down like a, a Labrador. You know, they have. Right. these. So I don't know what's going to. That gonna bothers happen.
1: you. That ruins the look of the dog for you, doesn't it?
0: It does, but you know, it's the same dog underneath all of that. So it, you know.
1: And it I think wouldn't... you'll get used to it if you yeah. have to. Yeah. You'll get used to it. Um, I think. There is a move on, and one of the provinces in Canada, I'm not sure, it's not all through Canada, but one of the provinces in Canada, the veterinarians uh, have decided against docking, cropping, declawing all the elective surgeries that they've view as cosmetic, and so they basically said that if you want to practice veterinary medicine in that province and be licensed and insured, you cannot perform those procedures. So what's happening is the show people are driving their dogs, you know, south to the U.S. or over to the next Mm -hmm. province and getting it done, but it is having an effect on the people who aren't showing and so there's less and less and less and in, to my mind it's good in in the way that it's affecting declawing because there's that's a huge thing people think of declawing as a manicure and it's an amputation of knuckles and toes and most of the time when a cat is declawed because it's doing damage, it gets worse after it's declawed. So it's really not a good answer. you know. And, and if you give it away when it's still got its claws, it has many options. If you declaw it, it's not going to have many options. And you get litter box problems and all kinds of things. So for me, I'm glad they went that way. I'm hoping other provinces will too. And I don't mind the look of a my breed, Standard Poodle with a long tail, or even a big old Roddy with a big tail like they have them in Europe. I'm okay with it. I get used to it. But I must admit, at first it's jarring, but it's... It's because of what we're used to. But I see your point in that the dogs who do have long tails have been bred to have tails that suit them and are efficient and healthy for them. And these breeds that were bred to be cropped, they don't really pay attention to that. So you don't know what you're going to get. You could get a health problem that needs to be docked later, or you could get one that sits nicely. You don't really know. I understand what you're saying about that. But then again, if we go back to not docking them, we'll all pay attention, and before long, that'll be corrected. So we'll have good-looking dogs with good-looking tails. So... You get
0: um, used to anything, you know. You get used. Yeah, to for anything. sure.
1: Like maybe the bulldog people in England will get used to dogs whose heads aren't so mismatched to the pelvis that they can actually have them naturally without C-section. Hmm. When they have puppies. I hope so, and then I hope that spreads everywhere. But let's talk about. The Skipper Key, because in your email at one point you said, um, Now I'm addicted to the Skipper Key for all their quirks and challenges. Okay, so what are their quirks and challenges?
0: Okay, well, these are very independent minded dogs, and they have their own agenda. For example, my veteran bitch that I have, Marlena, she's 12 years old, and uh, she will come up and just, you know, paw at me, paw at me to get her belly rubbed. And I would tell her, I'm busy. And she only does this when I tell her I'm busy. <laughs> you know, it's like perverse. It's the opposite. And other times when, you know, she's there and I want to pet her, I'll go over and I'll start petting her and she'll get up and walk away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On her terms. That's almost so, like a cat. It so it's very
0: funny. Then, you know, when um, people come to work in the apartment sometimes, like the cleaning lady, Marlena will follow her around, just follow her and, you know, get underfoot. And the poor woman says, you know, you've got to get this dog out of the way. But, you know, the skipper key wants to see. They're very curious about everything that's going on around them. And they want to make sure that everything is in order. So they will follow people in your house. I mean, if you have guests, the skipper key will come and sniff them up and down and then probably walk away and not want anything more to do with them. But first, you know, they have to sniff them and make sure that they're not a threat to the household. Well,
1: that's their herding ancestry. You know, I knew a skipper yeah. key who lived with 11 cats. Okay, 11 in a house, just a normal house, normal people. But somehow or other, they'd ended up with 11 cats and one dog. And when I first met this dog, it had very peculiar behaviors. It had adopted cat behaviors. It would rub (laughs) against you and wind around your legs and twirl between you, you know, all this cat Uh stuff. You know, it was basically a cat. And it had a cat friend that it wrestled and rolled with and other cats it interacted differently with. But when I first started working with them, my assignment was to teach it to interact with dogs. It was terrified of dogs. It had not realized, like, what it was, and by the end, oh, it was perky and happy and loved to be with dogs, but really interesting, you know, that that they're that aware of their environment that they would learn from who's around them.
0: Yeah, actually, though, the one I had before this uh, was very cat-like. She would, you know, stretch and lick her legs like a cat, and she even made, like, funny little noises like a cat, and we don't have any cats, so where'd she get that from?
1: Oh, Interesting. Well, you know, it surprised me when you told me that they were um, on boats and then also that their lineage, that a larger version was a herding dog. So that kind of surprised me. But you do see both, you know, caring what's going on and caring who comes, that's very Mm herd-like, you know. And the boat thing, I guess that's, you know, not getting too involved, right? You're passing through all the time. It makes sense.
2: I yeah, mean, a dog and, well, who was super
1: also... needy and, and into strangers would be jumping off the boat and diving into the water and going onto the dock and being a pain in the butt everywhere you went. <laughs> so I but can see that. There were also rat catchers
0: on those boats, and they're, you know, very good rat catchers because if you see the canines on a, a skipper key, I mean, they are huge.
1: And we're talking about a little dog. A, a dog you can yes. easily pick up in your arms and hug. you might even be able to carry two if you're a big person. They're, they're not very big. Okay, so rat catchers, that brings me to my trivia question. Okay, you guys, try and think about this. How many descendants can one mama rat make in a year? Is it a hundred? Is it a thousand? What do you think? How many? It could be more. I'm just giving you some ideas. It's a, it's a lot. It's a shockingly large number. And I'll tell you at the end of the party. So that's our, our party quiz, our little teaser for today. How many descendants can one mama rat have in one year? It's unbelievable. And so maybe we should all be getting skipper keys if we live in the city. I guess you don't have a mouse problem in your house, huh? Oh,
0: no. Well, you wouldn't really want to uh, have any dog put its teeth on the rats we have here because they're huge. And who knows what kind of horrible diseases they have. But, you know, I see a lot of rats in the subways. I and mean, you see them scurrying across the tracks. And they always seem to know when to get out of the way of the train.
1: Well, here in the country, we do have mice and rats and rodents and all that stuff, and they try and move in in the fall. And I discovered very quickly when I first moved here, I think in 1997, I came with my two city cats who were completely overwhelmed. They were delighted, and they got fat Uh very quick, but they were completely overwhelmed. So then I went to the rescue home, and I got more, and I got more, and I figured out that I need five cats to have... No mice, none zero to uh-huh. not have to you know be the kind of person who has to kind of ziplock everything and tidy everything and always have everything closed and contained in metal okay i don 't have to do that if I have five cats, mm-hmm. but i can 't ever go below five you know it 's this ratio <laughs> it's a magic and part number. of it is part of it 's their smell, you know their scent everywhere they 're a big deterrent. But they do. They catch everyone who strays in here. And so you just don't get the community happening. But I do see the big ones you're talking about down at our river. We have a river Mm -hmm. going through our property, and those are big river rats. I've seen uh, Springer Spaniel bring one down. I've seen Labs go for it and catch Uh them. Jack Russell's, definitely. And the world record holder back in the 1880s, because this used to be a sport in England, uh, the world record holder was a Jack Russell. And he did, I think it was 85 rats in 30 minutes, like some incredible number where you just think, oh, man, how is that even possible? A dog. (laughs) He was pumped. He was pumped. He was going for it. Okay, so let's get back to your book. When I look at the back yeah. of your book, I see you've got two little skipper keys and then this big dog, big old, <laughs> good old dog, you know, good old boy kind of dog or girl. Looks girl. like, looks like a mutt who found you, for sure. Mm-hmm. Looks twice, uh, forgive me for this, but in this picture, she looks twice as aware and worried as your other two. She looks twice as on the ball, really. She looks so bright and so clearly engaged and aware of your safety and the other two dogs she's taking care of all three of you one of them looks like it's having a great goofy day and is just happy to sit with you anywhere and the other one looks like it's had enough and it would like to go home so how close is that right on
0: (laughs) yeah well the big girl is uh, her name is Zora and uh, you know we took her in her owner had died and I tried to find a new home for her because I didn't particularly want to have three dogs in the city um, and nobody wanted her. So the two skippies I had before the ones I have now, I had them all out at my summer house. And I said to my husband, you know, if they accept her by the end of the summer, we'll keep her. And he kind of grumbled, but he fell in love with her and she fell in love with him. And it's amazing. This dog is so smart. She just knows things. And you you don't even have to train her. It's like she was a trained dog in some other life and all of a sudden she came back, you know, in in this new life, all trained. She's an amazing dog.
1: I think sometimes the dogs who need you, like they really know what it's like to be without food, to be without love, to be without a family. When they find a new family, they are so dedicated. They work really hard. They pay attention all the time. I had this rescue dog. He was a Roddy Cross. And I tried to teach him to just take a break, like just stop. You know, he was constantly looking in my eyes, waiting for the next command, waiting for the next. So I taught him this command, take a break. So what he would do is he would like a football player, he would run away 20 feet, turn around and face me again. That's as close as I could get to getting him to just relax. He was so (laughs) intense about pleasing me all the time, you know. And years later, he mellowed out. But it's they treat, you know, for anyone out there who is thinking about adopting a mud or rescuing a dog, when you get a dog secondhand, they love you forever. And they love you so big. And they take care of you like like a a dog you get as a puppy just won't because they think you're going to take care of them so i really really recommend it if you can rescue a dog you'll get back more than you give in spades definitely
0: oh it's so true and zora actually has learned from marlena marlena likes to lie on her back and get her belly scratched and zora never used to do that when we first got her but now she's acting like a skipper key she'll go up on the bed and she'll roll oh. over and it's it's really quite cute she learned it from them just like you know you're Dog the other one, the yeah, skipper skipper learned keys, the cat. Learned from the cats.
1: <laughs> that was Kaylee McCready that learned from those cats, just to uh-huh. say her name because she's long past now. But uh, uh-huh. what a wonderful little skipper key she was. So when we come back, we're going to go to commercials just for a minute. We're going to leave the party, but don't you worry. I'm going to get Melanie a drink and uh, get her skipper keys. Oh, well, what should I get them? Should I get them a squeaky toy or a tennis ball or what? What would make oh, their day brighter? A treat. Okay, well, we'll get them a treat and hope it doesn't go to their hips. We'll talk about that when we get back. All right, everybody, come back to the party.
2: Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Give your dog some thought with
1: Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about.
0: Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California, says he invented an application for the iPhone. that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. I read about
2: it on my cat's Twitter page. That's I read. <laughs>
1: Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course.
2: only on PetLifeRadio.com. let's talk pets let's talk pets on petlife radio Life radio petlife radio.com Pet <laughs> You're you're, you're inside the VIP room with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go.
1: Hello, you're back at the animal party and it's Deborah Wolf talking to Melanie Coronet. We're talking about her book, In the Shadow of Mercury, a memoir of midlife and dogs. And before I went to the hors d'oeuvre table and stocked up my drink, I was saying that rats make an unbelievable amount of babies. So how many babies do you think, how many descendants can a rat mama make in one year? I'll tell you at the end of the party. All right. Well, thanks for those sponsors. They're great sponsors. It's been good hearing from them. And we're back at the party, and we've got Melanie. And I want to know, Melanie, how you fell in love with the Skipper Keys and how you came to meet Mercury. And I know there's a connection to midlife there, so please tell us how this all happened for you.
0: Okay. Are you ready? You tell me when we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Okay. Um, okay. I was going through my midlife crisis. I had a, you know, varied uh, careers. I started out as a teacher. I ended up in advertising, and I wasn't much good at any of this. And so, I just didn't know what to do. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something crazy and dangerous. I'm going to become a bicycle messenger in New in York. In New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My husband How was, old were you? This is
1: like at, this in your is 40s? Like I was around
0: my late 40s, yeah. And, you know, I pictured myself zooming through the city, like Messenger Melanie. And, I mean, it <laughs> was an insane idea. And at the same time, we were thinking about getting a dog because we really kind of needed something. You know, things weren't. Things were okay, but they weren't that great between us, and you know, he had a really good uh, career, and I was sort of you know, bumbling around, so Messenger was the ticket for me, um, until I saw a replay of the Westminster Kennel Club dog show, and I saw these little black dogs that I never even knew existed. They were skipper keys, and I said to him, I said, well, you know, maybe we should look into this, and we did, and I went down to AKC, I found out about Skipper Keys, and it was like fate. Two weeks later, in the New York Times, there was an ad for a Skipper Key puppies just about an hour's drive from here. So we went up there, and we met the breeder, and this was uh, homebred dogs, and they were all, you know, just beautiful little puppies And we took one, we bought one, and I decided to name him Mercury because at that point... He's the messenger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was my
0: messenger. He saved me from becoming a messenger and probably, you know, from getting hit by a bus because, you know, (laughs) what kind of 48-year-old woman would be riding around on a messenger route in New York City? So, um, you know, I started training him and, oh, we loved him. So he was just such a cute little guy. And someone suggested that I show him and I didn't know anything about shows or dog shows. I didn't, you know, except that I knew about Westminster. So I, um, I started to take him to some local shows, and I'll never forget this one judge. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't a very good handler this one judge told me that I should take handling classes before I ever set foot in his ring again and I was So
1: crushed. the dog was better than the human and it is yeah. a team sometimes people don't realize it's a team and a lot of those people in the ring are not owners they're actually professional handlers who do this for a living and will show several dogs at one show travel with them and get paid to do it yeah so yeah. You were competing against professionals, and you had no idea that that no. was the case. I bet So you got right. there, and you saw how serious everyone was.
0: Yeah, so I quickly hired a handler, and uh, Mercury was then shown to his championship. And, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and um, I decided I was going to show him. If we could get into the garden, I wanted to show him myself, just right. for the experience. But it wasn't to be, because unfortunately, that winter right before... Westminster. Um, he was staying with my brother-in-law out in, the, in New Jersey, and he got out of the yard, was hit by a car. and so Well, that- you
1: know, I hear this a lot. When people go away, you know, sometimes the people they're leaving their dog with don't have a dog, so they don't think about it. The fact that the gardener comes and goes and leaves gates open or the cleaning lady comes through the back door or that are not even aware of all the things that could happen that could let the dog escape. Or sometimes they do have a dog who's used to their system. Maybe they have invisible fencing or something. But it takes a time to teach a dog this. And when you're away and you leave your dog, sometimes they think they should go looking for you. So they have motive to escape. Plus, as you've said, skipper keys, if they see something like a bunny, a deer, they're going to want to escape. They're going to want to hunt it. They're going to want Mm -hmm. to chase it. So uh, it had motive. But it's just so sad. You know, if you send it to a kennel where there's latches and locks and fail safes and they're out with the dogs and they're trained to deal with dogs, and it's a lot of times safer than relying on friends and family who mean well and feel terrible when something goes wrong.
0: Oh, yeah. You're so right about that. Yeah, so
1: Mercury. But you know done. what? Let's I know since we're on this now because it's too hard to get to later. Last time you and I were on the show, my son was home from school sick, and I didn't know that he <laughs> he was listening on the other side of the door while we were talking. And when you and I finished the show, he was crying, and he gave me a hug and he said, "That was so sad, mom." And what he was talking about was when you explained to me what happened to your two skipper keys on oh, a leash yeah. with you in Central Park. And I want to talk to people about this because if you've got a dog and you think it's funny, it's a big dog and it wants to kill little dogs or it wants to chase little dogs and you call little dogs ankle biters and this is so amusing to you, you're creating a huge problem and your dog might be put down for this problem this is not funny it's not cute it's not amusing your dog should understand that all dogs are the same species and it should not pick fights with them it should not treat them as prey so if you've got a dog like this you need to talk to a professional trainer you need to get a muzzle and a leash and you need to take your dogs to the little dogs and teach it To live with them, live and let live, get along, heal, come, sit, stay, regardless of whether there's a little dog running and fetching nearby or on a leash nearby. Get it to understand that little dogs are part of its world and that you won't be part of this problem. So let's talk about it a little bit. As much as I don't want to, I think we should.
0: Yeah, if this is a horrible night for me, Deborah. This took uh, place five years ago, and I had taken the, the two skipper keys and Zora. These were my monkey and Argo. These were the ones I had before the two that I have now. And we went up on this path across from our apartment um, right in Central Park where I'd walked the dogs for 10 years without any problem. It was about maybe 9.30 at night, and we're on our way back, And all of a sudden, and the two little skippies were on flexi leads, uh, the extendable leads. And they were about 16 feet out in front of me. And all of a sudden, I hear a growl and a yip and another growl. And I run up and close, you know, close up on those leads. And I see this Rottweiler, this big muscular Rottweiler standing there. And he had bitten both my dogs, but, you know, so powerful that he got my little my little female monkey, and he got her in the stomach, and she was just bleeding, and I I didn't see my other dog, and I started beating this Rottweiler, punching him in the stomach with the the handle, the plastic handle of the Flexi leads, and it just stood there. The dog just stood there, and then a man appeared out of the darkness, and he said, Miss, you know, you shouldn't hit that dog. He might turn on you. And I said, well, is this your dog? And he said, no. And then he disappeared into the night. And I know that was his dog. I mean, because nobody else was around. And this dog had a collar. Um, And in fact, the police came because people heard me screaming. And I grabbed my little monkey and rushed her to the emergency vet. And my husband came into the park and he found my other Skippy who was alive and uh, rushed him to the emergency vet, but Monkey died in my arms in the taxi, and Argo, my male, um, when they got to the emergency vet, the vet said that he had so much internal bleeding that they really didn't think they could save him, so they had given him a sedative, and I said, well, you know, don't wake him up. And so I took. we took the two of them uh, out to our country house uh, the next day and we buried them out there.
1: And- when you talk about that compression, that's the factor here. When, when a Rottweiler bites, when a big square-headed dog bites, I've seen the effect on humans because when I go to train one who's bitten its owner or bitten its owner's friend or the nanny or something like that, they'll often roll up their sleeve and show me the bruises. And when a dog like that bites somebody's forearm, like the most biggest muscly part of a human arm, so much stronger than a little toy dog, right, like a huge, it's even on a man, it's it's, that's right, it looks like it's been run over by a steamroller, it's just crushed, the bruising is unbelievable, Um, in one case there was a guy with a tattoo, and you couldn't even see the tattoo anymore, like it just completely bruised, so I I hear what you're saying, if you've got big strong dogs they really need to be socialized with everything, they just do it's it's part of your obligation in owning them. And it's for their own good. This one ended up dead, this Rottweiler. He yeah. didn't benefit by having a, a thing about thinking of toys as prey. didn't suit him at all. It ended up killing him. So he could have run across a, a road to get to them. There's a lot of things that can happen to a dog who thinks little dogs are chaseable. A lot of bad things. So you definitely want to train that out of them. So you came back from this, though. I mean, some people would have this happen, and they would never own a dog again. Certainly not another little dog. But you did.
0: You know, we couldn't yeah. stand the quiet in the house. We had Zora that night of the Rottweiler. She ran home, with, you know, right across the street. Thank heavens there were no cars coming. And she was traumatized for many days because I think when I was beating the Rottweiler, she might have thought I was hitting the skipper key. And she was very strange for quite a while. But then, you know, she came back and... Um, with trolls,
1: no, but. I don't think that was the case. I think probably she it took her a while to feel safe again. Mm-hmm. She, even though you were there, she wasn't safe. So she lost some trust and was really out of sorts and missing him and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think she would have thought it was you hitting him or any, anything like that. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. No, that's um, really remote. Yeah. The one time where I actually think a dog did think its owner was hitting him was this dog, Rosie, a la- black lab cross. And she was being attacked by hornets. And I was there. I was in the park. And I saw this woman struggling with this dog. And it was the dog had obviously gone for the nest. I mean, clearly. But now the nest was going for the dog. And so this black dog was just covered in yellow jackets. And so I said, she said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't want my kids to get stuck. And I said, let's grab her and stick her in the river. There was this beautiful river right there. So we put her in the river. So if this dog loved water, that wasn't a problem. But they were still stinging her. So then we started smacking them to kill them with our hands. Ah. And I think she thought we were hitting her. She was crying. Look at us like like, please stop! Please stop! And the stings, you know. But, but she never became hand shy or head shy. I mean, maybe underneath it all, she knew we were helping her. But that's the—it has to be that confusing. Otherwise, they know. They know you. Yeah. They know you're not doing wrong like that. And and the fear in the other dog and the smell of the attacker. I mean, she knew. She knew. She knew you were fighting for them. You know, that yeah, she I- had. This is very primitive for dogs. They understand stuff like this better than we do. Like, they know when we're pregnant before we do. They know when we're stressed out before we do. They know this stuff. This stuff isn't a problem for them. They know who's the most dominant, aggressive, angry person. It wasn't you. It was that other dog. You know, she she knew who the dominant attacker was and who the defense was. It's really clear for dogs. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't spend any time worrying about that but how did you I mean so you wanted well, another dog missed, my instinct would be go big right never have the problem again if I just got huge dogs you know let that rottweiler attack my dogo argentino yeah. I mean you know but you didn't you went again you know, you went. I,
0: we love the skipper keys you know we just love them and you know these two we we'd raised from puppies one was 10 years old the other was 11 when you know when they got killed and I mean, they're just such funny little dogs. Uh, I went on online and I put out a call to the members of the Skipper Key Club and I asked if anyone had a an older, mellow Skipper Key that they wanted to uh, oh, no. sell or give away because um, I just couldn't deal with a puppy at that time. And so this breeder in Colorado had this 8-year-old retired champion, Marlena, and uh, we struck a deal, and she put Marlena on a plane, and I went to uh, Newark Airport and picked her up. And I looked in this crate, and there were these little black guys and this furry oh. face. And did, I br- did you start crying? No. Did you cheer no. up?
1: You didn't? No, yeah. oh, I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I brought her home, and I had told Zora that she was going to have a, a friend. And so Zara came, you know, the two girls sniffed each other and, you know, they got along fine. It was just so beautiful. You know, I didn't have to do anything like, you know, taking them to neutral territory or anything like that. Well, you know
1: what, sometimes getting a dog from a breeder is a great idea. If you like a breed, but you realize that you're not up to training it or dealing with the puppy years or even the most hyper years of this dog's life, you'd like a little bit older dog. Breeders sometimes stop breeding a dog for whatever reason maybe the puppies it throws are too light or too dark or not enough of them or something you know something goes out of fashion some reason maybe she doesn't get pregnant easily or has a hard time having puppies or something that doesn't affect you and your pet needs at all but you end up with this dog who's been completely trained socialized taken to all these shows and events and is out and understands people kids dogs you know totally cool with everything But maybe it was a little bit needy because it had to compete with five others or six others and travel a lot and be without the owner. You know, now it gets its true person. And so you almost get the same effect as if you rescue a dog, except you don't get all the training problems. So that's a great idea for people out there. If you're ever interested in a secondhand dog, ask around with the breeders because sometimes they have some great dogs available. And I bet you found she was really delightful.
0: Oh, yeah. And then, you know, interestingly, a few months later in the fall, um, the pet... People in Central Park, there's an organization called PAWS, P-A-W-S, and they knew what had happened. And a woman contacted them saying that she needed to find a home for her skipper key because she was moving to L.A. in a job where there'd be a lot of travel and she didn't want him to you know, be bounced around to kennels and things like that. So they called me up and they said, you know, we heard about your dogs. Would you be interested in a skipper key? And I said, well, I already got another one. But, you know, we were three before. We can be three again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I walked across the park. I met the woman and she turned over Mozart to me
1: oh, nice. and
0: you know she walked away I could see she was crying she was you know her shoulders were heaving Mozart looked at her I picked him up I carried him into the park he saw a squirrel and he never looked back
1: <laughs> <laughs> dogs are in the moment some yeah. dogs mourn and some dogs grieve especially if they think something you know someone dies or an animal they love dies they definitely mourn and grieve but they are in the moment they will make the best of their new family their new situation if, if it's possible if it's a good place for them. So Mm -hmm. when I was reading your email, at one point it says about your husband, to this day, the dogs don't listen to him. And that that kind of made me laugh because um, (laughs) I've had that situation many, many times here with my husband. And also previously when I first trained with dogs, one of the places I worked at, they bred standard poodles and they bred Dobermans. And it was a husband and wife team and one liked the one dog and one liked the other dog. But no matter how hard they tried... The standard poodles just wouldn't listen to that woman. And they were hers. The Dobermans did. And no matter how hard he tried, (laughs) the Dobermans would not listen to him. But the standard poodles did. So they used to show each other's dogs in the ring and stuff like that. They had to switch because otherwise they just didn't get the same results. It was so funny. But I got it as soon as I met them. I mean, she was so dopey and he was so poodle. She was so clear. And (laughs) direct and loud and dominant and always, always, always on. And he was so relaxed and subtle and easygoing and, you know, giving the dogs the benefit of the doubt and all the stuff that Dobies are going to take advantage of, you know. Mm -hmm. And poodles, they get tired of being told what to do when it's obvious. They tune you out if you're always nattering at them when they know what to do. So it's so interesting how different breeds work with different people. So I'm wondering, did your husband have any better luck with your pit bull that you adopted or your mutt that you had or any of these non-skipper keys? No, or
0: is- no because yeah. you know he's <laughs> not really into training. He talks to them mm-hmm. like they're humans and... Uh, a lot of people do. I mean, you know, I, you know, I do that too, but if I want certain behaviors from them, um, I make sure I get it, and then, you know, when they do it, I give them a treat. So I'm very consistent always. They know what to expect from me. Whereas, you know, he, he sometimes whines at them, like saying, oh, come on, you know, come with me, you know, if they're going to the park and one of them wants to go back, you know, and he, he just doesn't, he loves them, <laughs> and they love him, but they know that he's, a, you know, that they can take advantage They don't don't want to listen to him. I I guess, you know, I'm the alpha. I'm the pack leader because I do most of the stuff. You know, I'm the one that takes them to the vet and, you know, I take the... Well, and as you
1: said, you're an ex-school teacher and a lot of it works the same. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. direct, stage it, make it happen, reward it. Stage it, make it happen, reward it till the kid or the dog has good habits and likes it. I don't use treats, I don't think, as often as you do. And I don't use them with every dog. Sometimes I'll use balls if the dog will work for balls Mm -hmm. or affection or, you know, but I... Always make it worth as well. If he listens to me, he's going to get a good tummy rub or a ball thrown up in the air or maybe a treat if he's really stubborn and that's all that will work. But it'll be a small treat and he might have to do... He might get it for every trick when we first meet, but before long, it'll be every other and then every third and then every fourth. So he's really working, working, working. I treat the food rewards sort of like a preschool teacher or a kindergarten teacher, grade school teacher would use stickers. You know, if the oh, kid yeah. is... Yeah. is uh, mm-hmm an A student and he hands me in a C paper, I'm not a coloring job or whatever, art project. I'm not going to give him a sticker. He's doing way worse than he should. But if he's a C student, he gives me an A piece of work. Well, yeah. Or if you, you know, like that's how you do it. If if the dog comes when there's garbage on the ground that he wants to eat or a squirrel he wants to chase, oh, gets a sticker, you know. Uh-huh. So it's kind of <laughs> like that. But um, I know we talked about this before. For anyone out there who's feeling the, the horrible loss You know, you're coming home to your house and there's no dog to greet you and there's no sound of the dog drinking in the water and you're dogless, maybe for the first time ever. There's a great site called rainbowsbridge.com that is all about a heaven where you'll get to see your pets again. But I do want to say, at some point, if you're the kind of person who really, really did well with a dog... Love that dog and got love back from that dog and was a good owner to that dog and that dog was a good dog to you, then you can have that again with another dog. It won't be the same. You could go with a completely different breed or a different color or a different gender if you don't want to be constantly reminded, if that's too tough for you. But there's a dog out there somewhere just as wonderful as your dog. Not the same, but just as wonderful and just as deserving. And you deserve to have that. And your dog... If it could choose for you, it would want you to have that. It would not want you to be dogless. It would want you to be protected. It would want someone barking in your house when a stranger is threatening you. It would not want you to be dogless. Okay, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think that it's very important that, that, you you know, people that are so devastated when they lose their pets, I can understand that because I've had a lot of heartache with my skipper keys, but I can't be without a dog, and, you know, they bring so much to your your home, just the fact to have something alive that you can look into those eyes and you know tell them your troubles or tell them when you 're happy i mean i can 't be without a dog, and as I get older, and you know skipper keys have a pretty long lifespan they go anywhere from you know twelve to 16 15, years old. yeah and as I get older i 'm just going to always get like older skipper keys so that i don 't outlive them i 'll get you know a six or seven year old and then you know keep them. Until they're ready to go cross the rainbow bridge. That and- sounds
1: great. Yeah. I think that's really sensible. And you don't have to be without a dog just because you're older. There's a lot of places in the world that are really sensible about this. You can get a dog prescribed by your doctor. And all you have to do is be over 65 in England. And they'll prescribe one. And then you're allowed to, you don't have to submit to the rules of the rental board or any of that. You're allowed to have a dog. Stuff mm-hmm. it, you can say to everybody in your best UK accent. And they'll even pay part of your vet bills and your food and all this stuff because they figured out that if you own a dog when you're older, you see the doctor less you get sick less if you own a dog after a heart attack you're eight times more likely to be alive a year later it's got nothing to do with walking it either because the cat statistics are almost the same so we really need animals we need them in our lives and i think they keep our stress levels down for a reason they really are watching our back if your dog's sleeping on the couch you know nobody's breaking in you just know it consciously and unconsciously so i think they give us a huge amount but also just day to day you must get up to feed it you must get up to brush it you must get up to walk it you're in the moment you're not talking about last year or ten years ago and I think it helps with kids too when your grandkids visit when um, people divorce and kids are going from home home to home if there's animals there it makes it so much better
0: oh you're absolutely right it's so true so true I mean, I see a lot of old people in the park, you know, they're even on canes, and they have, like, a little chihuahua or a little Havanese, and, you know, they sit on the bench, and they watch the world go by, and they're, you know, they have their dog, they cuddle their dog, and it's beautiful to see, because, you know, they're not alone. Oh, you know
1: what, they did this study in England, another one like this, where they dress this woman up terribly. And they had her walk around and try and meet people. And she was an elderly lady. And nobody would talk to her. And they counted, you know, how many times and this and that. And then they put her with a dog. Mm-hmm. And then they dressed her up nice and did the same test. And they found that with a dog, it didn't matter what she was wearing. And with a dog, no matter what she was wearing, she met 10 to 15 more people per day than without. Mm-hmm. And without, it was like one or two a day if she was lucky and they wanted to get away from her. Like, people were just not willing to talk with her. But when she had a dog, everyone was willing to talk with her. So it's completely, it really, really opens up barriers, I think. Oh, so, yeah.
0: And if you in have this, a skipper key, it opens up even more because you don't see too many of them. <laughs>
1: excuse me, what kind of dog is that? Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, Yeah, I like it. to call them the dog with the J-Lo bum because it really is a trait, that they're kind of narrow at the front and... Almost like Bouviers, wider at the back, and well, no, it's very actually, cute. Uh-uh, no, they're wider. They're not supposed at the to be. No,
0: they're wider. Oh, at the they so the huge, ones I'm
1: seeing are not what they should yeah, be. Yeah,
0: they have these huge ruffs. You know, they have a big, uh-huh. big ruff. Well, around the fur, yeah,
1: they got a huge furry. Yeah, nap, and then they
0: taper, sort of taper down toward the back, and the front feet are bigger than the back feet. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, so Kaylee must have been eating too much cat food. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. So but, in the Shadow know, of Mercury, where can they get your book?
0: Okay, you can get it through Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Um, you can go to the website, ShadowofMercury.com, and order it directly from the publisher, xlibris.com. That's the letter dot com.
1: And uh, yeah, You I know what, I think we'll set it up so they can just hit on it right here. Mm-hmm. We'll make it that way. So, In the Shadow of Mercury, who should get this book?
0: Well, I think anyone who, uh, first of all, anyone who loves dogs, anyone, uh, women, women um, who want to know what it's like to have a midlife crisis and not know where you're going and then get saved by this little black dog or any dog or any pet for that matter. Um, People that are curious about New York and the New York lifestyle with dogs um, and people that just want a good yarn that happens to be true. I mean, it's a roller coaster ride of a book because so many things that happened to me in you know with dogs and not just my skipper keys but you know this pit bull that my friend rescued and then um marlena the skippy i have now took off on me one night, she was gone for oh, three no. days, she ran across the avenues, and you know, she turned up in the home of a retired nun, so talk about miracles
1: <laughs> I mean, you couldn't I make set up sometimes, I think sometimes, dogs operate on a whole nother level, and I think sometimes they do find the people they need when they need them it's amazing how many times there's these stories of unbelievable not just reunited with family but things where the dog comes to the person right when they need the most and what kind of dog the dog they just mentioned and all this sort of stuff it's interesting how the dogs we exactly need find us like that second skipper key in the park you know and the woman's yeah, hearing yeah. about you and I mean this stuff just happens I think there's some kind of dog angel out there making it all work I'm not sure how yeah I think so. It's true it's true so we have to wrap up the party, everybody. I'm sorry to tell you, party's over. Don't forget to get your coats and your clothes and pick up your animals, of course. We don't want to be partying with them without you. Take your animals home now. Run off that junk food. So it's been great having you, Melody. Thank oh, you for joining us you. on, on Animal so Party. Okay, well, for anyone listening, I'll tell you, too, since you live in New York City, it matters to you. Every rat can actually have 15,000 descendants in one year. So get a cat, get a skipper key. <laughs> Watch what you do. You don't want rats around your home. 15,000 in one year. Okay, everybody, come back to the party next week, and I'll party with you and your animals. it get your animals.
2: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.